0: Love Talk Radio. All right, HTR presents Lizard Hour with host Josh Lizard Guy Ortiz and Wildman JD Hartzell. Here are just a few of our sponsors: ZillaRules.com, great products for reptiles and amphibians to keep them healthy and happy. Reptiles by Science, specializing in high quality rare and uncommon monitor species and iguanas. Innovative ectotherms, specializing in chuckawalla morphs, collared lizards. Check them out on Facebook. Okay, everybody, coldbloodedcafe.com. If you go to their website and you use the code HTR5 on their website, you get a 5% discount. Don't forget they have great prices online, nationwide, flat rate shipping. All right, I just want to put this out there. Don't forget to support your U.S. ARK. They fight for us to keep the herps. Tropical reptiles and exotics, specializing some of the best-looking tegus around. Tegu morphs available, and check them out on the Facebook. Look for the albino tegus in their profile pictures. And be sure to check out the Reptile Report. Everything on information for the herps from around the world, The com, And here's our show, HTR.
1: Just welcome, everybody! It's Lizard Hour. This is the Wild Man. Uh, I'm joined with uh, my co-host, uh, Josh Ortiz. What's going on there, Josh?
2: Hey, JD. Um, nothing much. I just have all my uh, my animals outside. The spring's, uh, you know, well on its way. So the tegus are outdoors, and a bunch of animals are breeding. And, and it's just nice to see all the lizards outside. The sun shining on their face and everything. So, looking forward to it.
1: Um. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Yeah, it's it's probably a lot warmer down in South Carolina than it is up here yet, but <laughs> it's getting there. It's getting there, man. But yeah, we have a cool show tonight with John. Uh, we're talking about monitors and everything, man. So I say we bring him on here. Awesome. Hey, John. Welcome to the show.
2: Hey, thank you. Good to be back. Hey, John. So I saw the Sims came uh, back in stock. So I know last time uh, we spoke about them a decent amount, but um, I figured that would be a good place to start off because I'm really excited. And I saw the new design. Um, Well, I'm sure you could just tell us more about it, but it's nice and clear. I mean, they look really impressive. So that's cool.
3: Yeah. Thanks, Josh. Um, Yeah. The new ones came in. uh, It's the standard size and uh, I was really happy to see that they were, uh, Crystal clear for the most part, the clarity is really amazing um, the quality is excellent and uh, uh yeah, so they, they've been selling really well, very strong selling um, that's that's perfect, so
2: I know we 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 spoke about it last time, and I've spoken to you know many times about it about setting up the containers i mean it's it's pretty straightforward in terms of the, you could do the the water incubation, but there's also other ways you could set it up. And then I know yeah. there was also a method you were talking to me about when you do certain species like like Salvatore or Branda's cumminae with uh, wiping off the top and things like that. So maybe you want to talk to us about right. you know the different ways to set it up and maybe yeah. you know different problems people could have and how to remedy that things like that. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, yeah, it's uh, you know the sim container is a pretty versatile product. So if you're Used to using vermiculite, you can use vermiculite in the in the in the reservoir of the sim container just drench it with water um, or you can use perlite um, or you can use uh super hatch just got to wet it a little bit more um, but personally I, I I've been really pushing the water jelly the water crystals um, and uh that that's pretty much all I've been using at the house um, I just find it uh, uh uh, clean and easy, and uh, uh, actually it looks good, too, in, in the bottom of the, the sim container. Um, and, uh, you know, people are often surprised that I don't put much substrate in the reservoir. Um, I, I only put about a half inch of water, maybe a little bit more, and maybe a tablespoon or a teaspoon of the water, water crystals, and then it turns to jelly, and uh, that's it. There's a lot of airspace underneath the grid. Um, and I've been doing it like that for a couple of years. Uh, it is proven with the, uh, the the monitors at my house uh, and and other people who have used this method as well they found it to be um, uh, very good as well. so I've been really pushing that that water jelly as the substrate of choice. and the other good thing is it's not uh, it's a little bit safer than just putting water under the grid. Because if you have to move the sim container and you have water, you're going to make waves. So the jelly cu- kind of keeps everything in one, you know, jelly mass. And uh, so if you have to move it, it won't splash. So that's how so, I've been doing so that's, it.
2: That's, that's yeah. great. Um, yeah. Something I wanted to point out, too, is that with with certain species, like when I breed certain Lacerda species, like true they don't fall through the grid because the grid spaces are – they're, they're, it's great because it's pretty small, so very few species could fall through. But I'd breed the Xpegolas, yeah, and when they're little guys, they could go through. If I have um, the crystals, though, you don't have to worry about them, you know, potentially drowning or anything like that.
3: So. Yeah, that's right. They, uh, you know, the, the holes in the grid are really small. They're 5-millimeter squares. So just, uh, you know, very, very tiny uh, hatchlings are going to fall through that grid or crawl through that grid. Um, and, yeah, being that it's jelly, if they do go in there, they're just kind of suspended on a on a bed of jelly. <laughs> they're fine. Yeah. They won't drown in it like uh, if it was just water.
2: Uh, one thing I wonder, too, um, because I know sometimes people have issues with incubation with any container. If they have their incubator set in the room, that's a significantly different temperature. For example, if they have it in the room and in the wintertime it's, I don't know, like 70 degrees, and then they have the incubator at 86 mm-hmm. degrees, That a lot of times they'll have issues, especially if they have water. You'll have a lot of condensation build up on the top. Um, I mean, it's still good to try to put it in a room that's very similar in temperature to what you're incubating, but at least with the water crystals, it could potentially help with that too. I I would think so at least. I mean, I don't know. What do you think, John?
3: Um, I I think it does help. um, If if, uh, In the past, I had uh, a substrate that was um, just uh, uh, wet perlite, and it was very deep. Um, i 'll get more condensation, but since i 'm only using about a half inch of water with jelly uh, crystals in it uh, it's uh, i don 't get much condensation um, but i i 've learned to control uh where I put my incubators and uh, you know i 've figured out that you know if you keep them in a, if you keep your incubator in a warm room you 'll have less condensation issues and if you 're in a cooler room get the thing off the floor don't let it sit on the floor put it up on a shelf put it higher up on the, on the wall um that seems to help uh you know because heat rises and it's usually warmer at the ceiling than the floor um so us basement breeders would be smart to just get everything off the ground and that's how I no, do. I, I just basically have everything off the floor
2: yeah, I usually just put them in my my reptile rooms. But I guess for um for tips, if people have to have it in their house and and not in their reptile room, then they should just too. Um, yeah they should just put it in the reptile room and put it up high. Because if you have a reptile room that's in a basement, then you still might have that issue of the floor being you know colder than the rest of the room. I guess so.
3: Yeah, yeah, I've had that issue too. So keep them off the floor. Um, if you have to keep them in your house uh, and it's room temperature, keep it in an area like your closet. Um, if you can, uh, because it's stable in the closet for the most part. and There's not much draft, um, you know, so you're not going to – you shouldn't have too many condensation problems. Um, You know, if it was closer to the front door and you keep opening the door and it's different gusts of wind are coming through, that changes everything. So just aim for stability, aim for, you know, warmer areas of the house. Uh, Get them up off the floor, get your incubator off the floor. Uh, it really helps it makes a big difference
2: that that's perfect um so so what else could you recommend for anyone having issues with incubation in general i mean uh,
3: in general i would say for like the well for the monitors um uh, i do recommend putting some holes on the lid i think we spoke about that the last time um and to be aware of your species um um, uh, incubation duration. So for like ackies that hatch between 90 and 120 days, maybe start looking at the sim container or your egg container. It doesn't matter if it's a sim or not. It, the same problems can arise in a buried egg situation. Um, but like uh, like start looking at your sim or your egg box around like day 75 or 80. If you start to see a lot of condensation forming on the lid or on the walls, um that could be a, a couple of things, uh, namely if um, uh, it could be that the eggs are releasing water and they do that naturally um, in order to start to thin out so it's easier for the baby to pip through the egg. Um, the shell has to, you know, soften a bit. If the eggs are turgid, which means full and very solid and, uh, uh, you know, uh, if, if you if – if the eggs can't release the water um, and they stay turgid, it could be a, a really bad situation. So if you're seeing the eggs are releasing water, it's not a bad thing. Wipe it out. Take your lid off. Wipe the walls. Wipe down the lid. Put the lid back on. No big deal. And, uh, yeah, so that's what I tell people. Just start to watch your, your egg containers towards the end of the, uh, the duration. Gotcha. And another thing I wanted to ask you, if, if people have them
2: stacked because – you know, good thing about the, the sims is that they're easily uh, easily stackable. Do you mm-hmm. usually tell people if they have several stacked up to put like a like a pinhole or something on the side? Or do you find that not necessary? What do you think?
3: I, I haven't tried it that way, but uh, if somebody has, I'd uh, love to hear from them. Um, the, the sim, I guess you could put a hole in the sidewall. It's, uh you know certainly you can you can drill through it, um, but I don't know anybody that's done that. I, I'm sure there are people doing that. I don't. I just don't have enough information uh, about that. But that's what I would do if I was going to stack them straight up. Um, uh, I, I would put holes in in the side walls at least. Maybe not in the front wall, but the side walls. Because the front wall, if you put a hole in the sim and it's facing the, the door, every time you open and close the door, you're going to like put a puff of air through the uh, the container. So I'd rather just have them on the sides. You get less uh, airflow going through the uh, the egg box.
2: No, that, that's a good point. For for me, what I usually do, I just have them on, on different shelves, so I never really stack them on top of one another. The reason is because I didn't mm-hmm. want to put a hole. I was like, I really don't want to put a hole. I don't know if it's going to mess things up. I mean, things are working perfectly. Let me just leave it the way it is. So I figured I would just ask yeah. you to see if you, you knew, but but um okay, okay. That's, that's good. So you have a lot of projects going on, and uh, you know, where
3: should we start? What are you most excited about right now? Uh, I, I'm really, I got to say, this is a crazy good year for me. I it's, it's, I mean, everything is mating right now. Um, eggs are being laid, things are hatching. So it's, it's an amazing year. So I'm going to start with, I'm going to start with Ackies because I, I, I love them and I promote them like crazy. I think they're the best dwarf monitor, uh, for people to, uh, to look at or, uh, to own, or if they're considering a monitor, try, try to look at the Ackies first. Um, I, you won't be disappointed. I got lots of lots of eggs about to be laid. I got eggs cooking now. Um and uh you got all different kinds of color types. So you got the reds, the top endings, the yellows. Uh it's gonna be an incredible summer because that's when the majority of these eggs are gonna start to hatch. But uh I have a couple of clutches that I do this month and uh May and then June, July. Oh my god, it, it should be amazing. That's great. And I saw the the line you
2: have the pineapple. And um, is, that, yeah. is that like an exclusive line that you started? But those are really unique looking. I, I like to hear about those. Those are cool. Uh,
3: I, I bought somebody's collection of Ackies that they were uh, getting out of Ackies. They were getting rid of uh, five or six animals. And uh, most of them were, you know, uh, half tails, uh, missing feet, missing fingers, kind of beat up looking. And then there was one really beautiful red Ackie female that I, I was like, wow, this thing is gorgeous. So I, held it back and you know cleaned it up and uh, raised it up a little bit because it was it was small and uh, it turned out to be this thing that we, we 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 call it pineapple because it looks like a red pineapple it has like this uh these stripes down the down the back and then they kind of have like these cross stripes it's pretty cool so we call her pineapple and she is Incredible looking in person, better than, than any picture I could take. I'll tell you that uh, she's on our Instagram page, uh, sim container. You could see photos of her there. I think we posted one of her recently. Um, yeah. So that, that now we have eggs cooking from her line. Um, this is actually, uh, we've hatched a few of her clutches. Now we've raised up similar looking uh, pineapple uh, looking um, red ackies, and we've put them with her. So we crossed them back to her, and uh, we're expecting just uh, you know these really beautiful baby pineapples in the summertime.
2: (laughs) I saw them. The highlighting is really unique on those. I mean, as soon as you saw uh, posted those on Instagram, I was like, "Well, that's different." So I don't know. That's that's gonna be really interesting to line breed those and see what comes out of it. And that's good that you're having so many produced now. What What do you think? Do you think the the change of weather? Have you, have you changed things up a bit the way you're keeping them or are they starting to reach that age? And you have like a group that started to reach breeding age. What do you, what do you think is the main factor that you're so successful now?
3: Yeah, I I have a lot of animals that just started to mature at the same time. And, uh, and it's funny, they, they began to mate uh, almost all at the same time. And I was texting my, my partners, um, uh, Alex and Greg uh, you know, look at this. This is happening right now. This cage, this cage, this cage, this cage, this cage, all locked up with the, with the, with the reds and yellows all at the same time. So I'm wondering, you know, um, if it was, uh, you know, maybe the pheromones were in the air from one and it just reached the others and everybody started getting on board. So it's been really exciting here. And Josh, you haven't visited me in a while. So the last time you were here, I didn't have this many ackies. And now it's. I'm uh, it and I'm like,
2: <laughs> "Wow, he got all these ackies when I left." I was like, "I see how it is." <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, it, it, I I missed them too much. You know, my partner had the, has like the majority of my ackies, and uh, I was like, "Ah, you know, I really missed them. They was so much fun." Uh, you know, I love my coming eyes and my other things, but I just like the interaction I get from these these little uh, these little red ackies and yellow ackies. So much fun. And they yeah, do I everything in front the of you. you know, so.
2: No, definitely. I want to oh, hear about yeah. the other projects oh. too, but I still had a few questions about, about the Ackies. When, when I went there, cool. I, I believe you, you always had some Ackies, but it sounds like you definitely have more now. So yeah. are you setting them up in, in, in trios? Are you doing pairs? Like, what would you suggest for people breeding them? What have you seen that works best for you?
3: For me, I, I keep them 1.1 per cage. I keep a male and a female together and I raise them together and that's how I, that's how I do it. I don't like two girls and one boy in, in one cage, um, because, um, you know, sometimes females can be dangerous to each other. And, uh, if, say, if they both cycle at the same time and, uh, you know, they're both laying eggs at the same time, I don't want any, any issues with, uh, you know, fighting over nest box, uh, availability. So i rather do one female per cage. I can control, her and him together, uh, I can make sure that they're eating. I can make sure that, um, you know, the, he's not uh, being a, a brute. Um, it, it's just easier to control one male, one female per cage. So that's how I do it here, and it's been great. I don't have to worry about a, a second female female in the cage or uh, any uh, um, interference. So that's, that's why I, I think it's best for me. Gotcha.
2: And then if um if you ever encounter an issue where you have one male that doesn't seem to be breeding with a female, are you are you swapping males or anything like that until you get one that's like a good pair, and then just leave it I, as is. Um,
3: I, I kind of I don't usually have any problems with males not breeding the females. I, I most of these males are um, young and viable and they're interested. So uh, I guess they're uh, reacting to the Receptiveness and they're, they're mating. I, I haven't had any issues where I have to swap them out, but I did at, in the beginning of the fall. I swapped a male between two females. I had a female in a cage by herself. I had a male and female in another cage. And when we were done mating her, I moved them to the other cage and that seemed to spark some action in that cage. And so I was getting clutches around the same time uh, just by swapping a male between two, two females.
2: Yeah, that's exactly the reason I was asking because I've done a, a similar thing in the past where if I have extra females, I'm, I'm kind of rotating the male, not amongst many females, maybe like one extra female. So, so something similar mm-hmm. to what you were doing. So I was wondering, you like, know, mm-hmm. different techniques that people use and what works. But what acting is, you're so prolific if you treat them right, that it's probably a non-issue. So yeah.
3: um, that's great. Um, <clears throat>
2: was, that okay. my, was that
3: my theme music that just came on? <laughs> I heard it too.
2: I was like, is it just, is it just me?
3: I was feeling No, that was my head.
2: <laughs>
1: no, no, that, that I, was my mishap there, guys. I'm sorry. I was kind of like set up against the computer and push the push the button. But uh, that I was, was gonna say to John. The, John, do you need a you need a drink break?
3: No, I'm good. I got the water in front of me. Not like last time when I was dry <laughs> as
1: a desert. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> sorry, brother.
2: <laughs> okay. So I have a lot of questions about a lot of projects you're doing, John. Um, sure. So one of them is the Black tree monitors, because we haven't spoken about tree monitors at all, I don't think, on this program. and um, they yeah. seem to be doing really well for you. and I, I think you got some some mating there. Um, you want to tell us about that, like like setups and how you're doing things yeah, sure. and nesting mm-hmm. and stuff like that?
3: I, I, I sure. i um I, I acquired uh, a pair of black trees from two friends separately. Uh, They were both about the same age, like three- to four-year-old animals, Um, really uh, uh, easy-going lizards and easy to feed and interact with. Uh, They're not uh, like wild-caught and flighty types. So I was like, oh, these are going to be great. I put them together. Um, I put them in the same cage. At the time, when I first got them, I put them in a four-by-three-by-two. So it was four long, three tall, and two deep. Um, with two basking areas and, and a big nest box, and I had it um, I had the nest box heated uh, with the, with an under tank heater and um, it was on a uh, a thermostat, so I was really you know uh, trying to dial in the the, the nesting right and um, they started eating really well for me and I was able to tongue feed them fuzzies and eggs and dubia roaches and crickets and uh soon after putting them together, they made it. Um, and then I I expected eggs and she laid eggs, but they were infertile. So it might've been that, um, I rushed it. So I said, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to set them up in something bigger. So I gave them one of my big coming eye cages in the basement. I had this cage. I was like, I could, I could use it for another coming eye, but let me just see what these look like in here with the, you know, I'll put the black trees in here and I'll really dress it up. So I put them in a cage now that's, um, eight feet long, seven feet tall, four feet wide. Um, and I dressed it with a lot of fake greenery. Um, I put a, um, I think it's a Zilla brand or monsoon, um, misting system. I put the misting system in, uh, you know, through the roof. Um, and, uh, yeah, so they, they've been loving this cage. It's really full of, uh, of, of thick branches and cork tubes and, uh, Lots of fake greenery. I, I spent way too much money at that Michael's craft store for fake greens. But uh, it, it looks amazing. And it's a, a big, big cage, and they're loving it. They're, they're uh, you know, up and down and swinging everywhere. It's great. Um, I haven't seen mating since, but I'm not worried. I, I, I'm, I'm sure it'll happen if it does happen. Um, I'm, I'm pretty confident in the nesting. Um, I gave them two nesting options. Uh, one being that temperature control tub that I was using in the other cage, uh, and now I have another one, which is um, uh, like a four-inch wide PVC tube uh, capped on both ends, and I cut a, like a little round hole in it, and I cut a door in it with hinges, and I coated the whole thing in um, stick-on cork. So now it's like, it's like this branch, basically. It's like a man-made uh, hollow tree, uh, basically. And uh, I loaded it up with um, uh, leaves and sphagnum moss and some crunkle peat in there. And they've been frequenting that and the nest box. So we'll see. Could be an amazing spring.
2: That's really good. It's good that you have her cycling because um, I know people that have them and you know, they look good, like they're in great condition. And you know, there's not many people that are successful in even getting the females to cycle at all. So just having her cycle, I mean, I think that's already you know, good amount of success in the short period of time you had them. So that's, that's, that's great.
3: Yeah. I I think with the trees, you really got to load them up with food, especially the females, they got to put on some weight and then they'll, they'll start to mate for you. They'll become receptive. They're really not easy to get fat. You know, they're not built that way, you know, so you got to feed them more often and feed them more frequently, you know, not just once a day. Maybe it's twice a day for a little while. See if that helps.
2: That actually makes sense because a lot of people they might be used to feeding the other monitor lizard species or other lizard species in general. And they're not used to feeding, right. you know, quite that often. So maybe that's the main yeah. thing to um to get them to go. So Yeah. Even um uh, monitor lizards, I mean, um I know a lot for other monitor lizards such as the Salvatore, uh, a lot of times people I I think don't feed them as much as they, they should be fed and they feed if they're used to having like snakes and things like that and they feed them seldomly and then they have you know limited success because uh, they're not cycling as often as they could. Um, but you know all yes. about that because you're, you're breeding your your uh, your large monitor lizards, the common eyes and everything in your semirensis.
3: So yeah, um, yeah. Again, it's it comes down to the food with those guys too. You know, if you're feeding often, you're probably not too far away from getting mating and eggs.
2: So, so how are the babies doing, uh, the semingis? You call them correct?
3: Yes. <laughs> Saming eyes or Saming eyes. They're, you know what? They blew me away. I, 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 I didn't expect much from this crossing because it's uh coming eye and Samarensis. They're genetically virtually the same. They're like neighboring islands. They were at one time all called uh, Varanus coming eye, uh, but then they got split. They did a DNA, te- uh, DNA uh, uh, studies on these Filipino water monitors. And it turned out to be there's, multiple species in the philippines uh so they kind of broke everybody up Samarensis became its own species um marmoratus was like a species complex uh so that's a whole that's uh, a whole another story but uh the uh yeah so i bred the uh a Samarensis male to a female coming eye and you know they're both black and yellow lizards so i was like eh, we'll see what happens i expected it to look like um like Maybe one will look like, uh, you know, coming eye. Maybe some will look like the father, like the Samarensis. But these babies came out, and, at, you know, at first they looked like typical coming eye, black with a little bit of yellow on them and a black head. And uh, But all of that changes within like a month or two. Um, the black began to dissipate, and the yellow started to emerge. And now the babies kind of look like an unrelated coming eye male that I have at my house called Sunshine. Who's like eighty or ninety percent yellow? these babies are forming the same kind of pattern like that where they're the yellow background is replacing the black background, so it's uh really becoming uh a really beautiful lizard that's so that I'm keeping them both and uh uh you know we'll see what they look like in a in a year um I think they're beautiful though, yeah, that's right, and the
2: thing is with the um with the Kamanai, they look, you know, way different as they mature, like you were talking about. And so I'm sure with the mm-hmm. hybrid, it's probably going to be something really similar. And it's funny you mentioned that, but you had posted a picture recently of the, um, the hybrid, the Samingi, And um, when, when I saw the picture, I was like, well, wow, that looks a lot like his, um, I don't know what you're calling it now, but I know previously you had called it like a whiteout, I believe. Um, and that's, yeah. what, that's what it looked like to me. And it's looking pretty yep. similar now. So
3: it's going to be interesting to yeah. see
2: it once it's like, you know, double that size.
3: Yeah, yeah, I, I think so too. And the one that is really looking like that uh like that whiteout type is probably a female. Um they're mm-hmm. they're about four months old now and they're maybe twenty inches long and uh, mm-hmm. uh they have different head shapes and tail shapes and behaviors, so I'm kinda of looking at them like hey, they're probably one point one. And um it's yeah, the one with the most that. I yellow. The same
2: exact thing. Yeah. I'm yeah. oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah.
3: Yeah, um, so that that's what I think. I think that they uh, they're probably one point one, but I haven't decided if if I do raise them up, would I breed them back to Samarensis or would I breed them to each other or put them on an unrelated animal? I, I don't know. I'm not in any kind of rush to do it. I, you know, I'm I'm, uh, I'm happy with uh, you know the way things are right now. I don't want to rush it anymore.
2: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I believe you're right too because I've been looking at the pictures, and I thought the same thing. I was like, I think John has a 1.1 1. 1 for those animals, and then um, mm-hmm. you just said it there. So, so hopefully you do. That'll be that'll be great. That'll be perfect. Um, yeah. I know you posted one recently. I think her name was uh, Emily. One of your come and I. Yes.
3: Mm-hmm. So
2: what's what situation with that one? Are you breeding the male to her? I'm assuming. I don't know if she's gravid or not. Or. Yeah,
3: yeah, I I, I have her. Um, I I. I have her next to the Samarensis male. And uh, um, recently I opened the door between them two and um, uh, you know, they began to mate. not long after, maybe about a week and a half, two weeks later they began to meet. Um, and I have since separated them. Um, they made it for like a, a few days and then I just, you know, locked them into his own cage. He doesn't need to be, you know, eating all her food or bothering her in any way now. So it uh, looks like, She's gravid, she's gigantic. <laughs> she's eating well um, and uh, we'll see in about uh two two and a half weeks uh, if the eggs if she lays eggs if they're fertile enough. So those would be you know, Isamarensis crosses again. Yeah
2: so what cues are you um looking for to to pair the male up? Um, do you have it scheduled breeding? when you know she's cycling or do you tell based on like activity level or um, appetite, things like that, what are you using?
3: I'm not using anything like that. I'm just literally, um, I'm just opening the door and I just watch. And uh, it's, if they're able to, you know, avoid each other or ignore each other or just sit side by side with, without a, without a problem, they're probably going to be just, you know, they'll be fine. Uh, And that's what I've been doing. I just make sure they're really well fed. Uh, I open up the door. Uh, He'll probably be the curious one, and he'll go over to her cage, and that's what usually happens. And, um, you know, they'll hang out in the same uh, water tubs together or sleep together on the substrate or, um, you know, in a hide somewhere. And then, uh, you know, they eventually lock up. But then after they lock up, I don't usually keep the male in the cage for much longer. Maybe, a week or so and then I lock him into his own cage again just so that she can you know go through the motions and uh, dig her nest and uh, you know lay the eggs without a mail around and that's pretty much how I do it I just uh, I open the door and I let them meet <laughs> same thing with the ackies I kind of just like a good system. I do the same thing with the ackies. if I put them together and they seem to be fine together and they're not uh you know, she's not being a jerk to him or he's not a jerk to her, then they'll just stay together. Uh, and when the female's about to lay eggs, I take the male out. Um, and I put him in a spare cage, uh, you know, nearby until she's done, and then I'll put him back in like a couple of days later. And I do that with all the Yakis.
2: That's perfect. And um, I noticed also
3: that you had some of the chalice that you had posted.
2: Um, is that right? You, you have yeah. to work working with, with the chalice
3: now, correct? Yeah, new cows, and uh, but I haven't gotten any good eggs out of them yet. Huh. Um, yeah, which is so disappointing because I've been system? trying for a long time. Hmm. You're using
2: a similar system with them, I'm assuming with uh, the the cage setup and the breeding, and
1: because they're they're pretty yes. closely
3: related yes. to the common, is that right? Yeah, they are. Uh, they are, but I'm I'm not as uh, lucky, I guess, with them. So I can't I can't be good at everything. So. <laughs> I'll, I'll but those are that be really I'll exciting. Be, it would be exciting because the Nucallus is a really interesting water monitor. It's uh, you know it's the, it's a very evolved species. It's a small growing species. It's got these big neck scales and a different shaped head and you know they're different than coming eyes as far as um, you know color and everything and escalation. Um, Even the tail shape is different. Um, so I, I would like to see Nucallus, uh uh, reproduced in this country. I know Anthony Sains is trying, um, and there's another dude in the in the in the Carolina areas. He's he's trying as well. So
2: yeah, and they're really variable. They I, like. I, mean, I, saw, I saw some of the ones you oh, posted, yeah. and they have like really nice washed-out backs and stuff. So it's really interesting.
3: Yeah, they got the the white head. Some have the wa- washed-out back. Uh, some have the black head. You know, they're really strange. It's a weird animal. They feed to white or they don't. So, some some look, you know, pretty dark, and some get that white head, kind of looking. They kind of look like a coming eye in a photo negative.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, that's a good comparison. You no, know, they kind sure. of like yeah.
3: it's like flipped in a way. I don't know. That's how I see it sometimes.
2: Yeah, I haven't dealt with that species too much, have it. for for their personality have you noticed much of a difference have you noticed that they they like to climb more like they're on the water more or is it pretty similar to the other species
3: you're dealing with right now or i I just noticed with the with the coming eye or any any water monitors that i've had in my life like i've I've had big sulfurs and normals and and, you know i've had them you know the sulfur sulfurs i had for many many years um they do everything the same they they there's really no difference in captivity. If you give them things to climb on, they climb. You give them something to swim in, they swim. You give them something to dig in, they'll dig. They do it all. They, that's, that's kind of like, you can't just call them water monitors. They just, they do everything. They, they You just got to give it to them and then they'll do it, you know.
1: That's I, really I don't scary. know. This, I, really I don't see any details.
3: difference. I don't see any difference with Nutella versus coming eye behavior-wise. Uh, compared to any other Asian water monitor. They all kind of do the same thing. Um, they mate the same way. They lay eggs the same time. They, they're they just, the Filipino ones are smaller. That's all. Like a yeah. big female sulfur water monitor gets over six feet, whereas a female coming eye can hit four feet and that's it. Like that's, you know, that's a, you know, that's a small water monitor three and a half to four foot water monitor, you know, full grown. That's very manageable. Yeah, no, I think they're a perfect
2: size. They're definitely one of my favorites for sure.
3: Um, So what are you thinking
2: for the top size for the the Macalis? I know they're they're even smaller.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, According to some studies from uh, some researchers in the Philippines, the largest one ever collected was um um 180 uh centimeters so that's like almost six feet i think
0: um
3: so it's still a good size animal but it's nowhere near the size of uh you know a large uh pivotatus or macro maculatus type where it's seven eight nine ten feet you know these these numbers are you know these animals are way way bigger
2: That's perfect. Yeah, no, I hope you get to produce those. That would that be great. I'll be first in line to get one. Um, yeah. So yeah, you have a lot of other projects. Um, what are the pro- what are the projects that you excited about right now?
3: Um, I'm I'm just really excited about these uh, these ackies and the uh, and uh, the crosses. That's and, perfect. Um, I'm thinking to add some something new to the mix this year. Um, something I don't have much experience with But I see people out there posting them And I'm really interested in them now And that would be the lace monitors I'd like to give them a shot
2: Oh yeah, the lace would be great um, I think they would they would obviously breed really well for you And I'll be really interested in seeing like the, their breeding cycle Because I hear people saying different things And people have a lot of different methods And, and it seems like many different methods work Some people cool them and some people aren't cooling them and um,
3: mm-hmm.
2: I don't know. What What are your thoughts on that? Or you have to, you haven't worked with them yet, so you're not quite sure.
3: I'm not quite sure, but knowing some of my friends that are breeding them and they're they're successful with cooling them, I'd probably do it that way as well. And I'd use our natural cooling time of the year, which is you know in the Northeast, it's uh, November, December, you know, early into March. Um, so I can use our natural winter to cool them, and then fire them up in the spring.
2: Yeah, and then the bells phase, that's, um, I think that's, that should be incomplete dominant, right? But I've seen some recently, some bells that have really unique patterns. I don't know if that's from breeding bells to bells, and they have a different like phenotype, or if it's just you know, bells with a unique pattern.
3: So I, I saw that as well with the uh, uh, Don Church uh, at Sorian Farms is uh, offering those super bells, which was uh, a bell-to-bell breeding And uh, supposedly have a cleaner pattern and lighter, like a lighter color, like a whiter color versus a yellow. Um,
2: They definitely do look different. I mean, I don't know. I haven't really seen enough clutches to really, you know, say, you know, if I really think
3: they're
2: a different phenotype. But it's
3: interesting. mm Whatever it
2: is, it's really interesting.
3: Yeah. Okay. I'd be happy with normal lace because a lace is a lace and they're – beautiful and they're interesting animals so I'm going to be happy to get either or No,
2: definitely definitely um, JD I have uh, lots of questions for John but I want to hog all the questions like usual so you have any questions for John?
1: Yeah well I know I know John's theme song actually right now it's uh, Back in Black what do you think about that
3: John? <laughs> Back in Black? Alright I like that yeah ACDC <laughs>
1: I wanted to say, uh, you know, you got a lot of SIM containers and stuff. You know, people can go to the website and order them. You know, they need to order them up, man. Yeah, I
3: think I think they should because they sell out quick. (laughs) And I just tell people Um, go to simcontainer.com. And if the the website has been a little bit buggy lately, so. If anyone out there is looking to buy a SIM container and they, they're having a problem on the website, just um, just message me on Facebook. My name is John Adrania Jr., um, last name A-D-R-A-G-N-A, Jr., uh, and I'll help you order your SIM container and get it out to you. Um, and I ship pretty quick. It's like uh, uh, USPS priority, and you get it in a few days. I now have free gifts coming with the SIM container. I've, I've been putting a little sticker inside the SIM container, so you know you get this free SIM container sticker. It's really cute. Has the logo on it, and you know you could stick it any way you want. <laughs> yeah,
2: no, I like. I really like that they're durable too. Because I just throw mine in the dishwasher. When a clutch hatches out, I don't even bother. I just throw it in the dishwasher and I take it out, uh, rinse it, and then I just use it again. So um, yep, they're really durable great. containers. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, so. Uh, John, I noticed that you do import, um, you know, certain species like you had those black throats recently. I'm not sure if you still have them or if they sold out. Um, so, what what are your plans in terms of bringing more animals in? Are you going to increase the amount of imports you do at some point, or it's pretty much just when you see things that really catch your eye?
3: Well, I I, I did bring in the black throats, and um, I, I I brought in a, a clutch of them, so it was a good a good amount of them. Um, and uh, I took them to the Tinley show and uh, they sold like hotcakes. I couldn't believe it. I never saw anything like it in my life. I've never had any monitor sell that fast and have that many people looking to buy blackthroat monitors before. And it was insane. I, every single one of those things sold at the Tinley show. It was people who couldn't make the Tinley show that was sending me money to, to hold a few for them. Um, because uh, they couldn't make the uh, they couldn't make it to the show. I said no problem. Um, it, they were gone in one day. It was unreal. It was unreal. I mean, I, I take a clutch of red ackies to the White Plains show, and they'll sell. You know, but over the, I've never seen any monitor sell as fast as these black throats did. It was insane. I wish yeah, they were well, legal the in New years. York. I'd keep them here because uh, it's the only thing. Keeping me from uh, from getting them is is these laws in New York State. It's it's a real pain.
2: Yeah, the black throats are an interesting
3: species, and, um, and and
2: now they're tough to get because I know they have that. Um, they don't export them from um, Tanzania anymore. But the, even the subspecies right. you have, which sub-species did you have again that you had actually brought in?
3: Uh, th- that was Microstictus Tanzanian type, but they were captive bred in Europe, so they were. Hatched there, and I brought
2: them in. Yeah, no, they're 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 great, and they actually um, we found this out from someone that was on the podcast previously that they could multi clutch, which I never knew. I never knew they could multi clutch in a year, and they and they have pretty large clutches. So, um,
3: yeah,
2: it's exciting, you know, when you bring those in again. I mean, those, those are great monitors.
3: So, well, I'm gonna try to bring in more in the summertime, and uh, uh, if I get them in time, I'll take them to the Daytona show which is one of my favorite shows to attend and see a lot of friends there. So uh, I, think, uh, I think I I think think this summer, the Daytona show and then the October Tinley is going to be insane. It's just going to be a crazy year. By then, I should have the Coming Eyes hatched by then. Um, the Samar Crosses will be hatched by then. The Red Ackeys, the Yellow Ackeys. I might have the Black Throats. I might have some other stuff, and I'll take it all to these shows, and people can, you know, buy it or... Admire it or whatever. I don't I yeah, I like only these shows and just talking to people. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I know you yeah,
2: had uh, some frill dragons also. Those are really interesting. Some Australian frill dragons, right? Yes, the Australian frills. Is that yeah, another one? That was, the that was bread. Imported from overseas or captive bred in the US?
3: Uh imported from overseas. I, I don't know too many people in the States breeding them right now, so uh,
0: I know there's a real
3: shortage of them. So I, I, I brought in, again, I brought in a uh, quite a few of them. So I hope people will buy. You know what it is, though? You bring in these Australian frills or you bring in these black throats. Most people at the shows that want a frill dragon or they want a black throat, they're only buying one. And I'm not finding so many people out there to buy, you know, three or four or, you know, you buy a group. So if if, if somebody's really going to get serious about frill dragons, they should buy a group. Same thing with the black throats. Buy a group. It won't take long to, to raise them up to breed. Uh, you know, If you're serious about the species, uh, you know, give it a shot. Get a few. Invest in it. You, you'll, you'll do very, very well when they hatch, trust me. Yeah, no,
2: I, I don't doubt that at, at all. Um, is there any other species that you have um, in mind? I know you had mentioned some you're going to bring over to Daytona, but are there any other ones you're looking at to potentially import? or you kind of always have ears open looking for some or uh
3: I, I I love the dwarf monitor so if I could get more uh Pilbara or Kimberly Rock clutches going uh would be thrilled. um Gale and I as well Gil and That's, I Pilbara Are you working with, with other dwarf species? Yeah, yeah all, all of the all of those that I mentioned. Um I just don't have them in the numbers that I have like as far as Nackies go. Um but I have raised raise up uh Kimberly Rocks um and uh and and Gil and I I'm actually looking for Pilbara they seem to seem to be hard to find at the moment
2: Yeah another interesting one I I don't know if you've uh, worked with this species and I don't know the availabilities are the primordius um do you know do you know much yeah. on those sir
3: Yeah we we had them uh we we imported them uh, and Chris Murray imported them as well I think that's where we got Alice from um back in like two thousand and thirteen I think it was or two thousand and fourteen, and we had them for a while and we bred them we hatched them um and uh then you know we we gave our projects to somebody else and uh i haven 't really seen much of them since i I think they hatch uh sporadically you know they 're not like uh other dwarf monitors so it's, it's i guess the success rates are not as strong as uh say um uh Gil and I, or, or Ackie's are, or, or Tristus for that matter. Uh, but I wish they would. I, I, I like them uh, because they're built like an Aki, but they're, you know, a quarter of the size. They're tiny. So if somebody's on a budget or as far as uh, space constraints, those little spiny tail monitors like, uh, like, uh, um, like Storeye or, um, um, Primordius would be a would be a really uh, nice species to keep. Yeah, so
2: I know you were going over the species that you, that you keep now. We heard about them. That's and that's good. And then the lace. I know you said you're looking to expand to. So, are there any other species you have your you have your eyes on? Think about potentially expanding to.
3: I don't know. I, I'm really crazy if I had more species of big monitors than what I have now. <laughs>
2: I make a, a suggestion. I don't I,
3: know. Are you doing the Tristis Tristis now? Yeah, we have a we have a 1.1 1. 1 again. So we'll see. I I had a whole bunch of, of Tristis Tristis and Tristis Orientalis, and they were like all males. So I wound up selling them off, and uh, and it turns out, see, even I make mistakes. I sold a Tristis female, and it and uh, I I wound up getting it back. So I'm pretty happy about that.
2: You know that'll be, that'll be really exciting because I've actually been looking for some Tristus Tristus for a while, so that's why I was suggesting it. I was like, "Oh well, John could just get them and breed them, and I could just get them straight from John. They'll be perfect."
3: Yeah, I I I don't have any eggs yet, but uh, hopefully this year. Let's we'll see. Gotcha, and I know it's not hard. Um, I mean, the Tristus are no harder than ackies are, in my experience. I um, um, it was the first species I ever hatched eggs from, believe it or not, was was tristis. And uh I love them. They're fun uh if you set them up um similar to like you would an aki uh you know they they do it all just like an aki would. They'll do it right in front of you. They're great, very smart. They have a very interesting hunting uh strategy you know they they if you give them leaves in the substrate, they'll put their le- their tail inside the leaves and they'll shake their tail, and then the crickets jump out of the leaves and then they go to the crickets. It's really cool.
2: Oh, that is really neat. I never really noticed that. So, are you doing a similar cage size for the tristis Tristus? I mean, they're they're a dwarf monitor, but they do get a bit bigger. So, um, yeah, what, yeah, what they, cage they do I require. I would go. Uh,
3: I would. I would go maybe um, uh, three feet tall, four feet long. I wouldn't go any bigger than that because then you kind of, you know, you don't get that gradient that you need. You know, so I, I like I like having like lower ceilings and doing horizontally. I wouldn't go too much taller than that. I don't really like really tall cages for monitors. Maybe 'cause I'm in the Northeast, and, you know, 'cause the heat rises and then your floor is cold, and you know, I want I like it side to side gradient, so like heat on the left and then the cool side is on the right or something like that. Um, and I usually keep my nesting in the middle somewhere, and that's what I would do for Tristis. I would I wouldn't go any taller than three feet, four feet long, three feet tall. Um, just because of that reason.
2: Yeah. And um, so I have a question that kind of ties into the sim containers that we're talking about the dwarf monitors also. Yeah. So the Aki monitors, I've hatched out a bunch of those, and obviously you have too. And, and those, are, those are really easy to, to hatch out, and they do perfect in the sim containers. So with the other dwarf monitors, are, are some more um, challenging to hatch, like lower success rates, or do you have to wipe off the tops like you do with some of the larger lizard species, or is it pretty straightforward?
3: yeah uh you know with like um um Kimberly rocks and Cobaras. they are a little more sensitive so if you know if you're gonna hatch those in a sim container um try to avoid a, con- a like a situation where you have a lot of condensation build up from the beginning you know I like setting it up uh setting up a sim container with um, with uh kimberly rock eggs where there's no Condensation buildup on the roof or on the sidewalls, except where the water is or the jelly is, on you know under the grid. Um, and I like maybe put two holes in the lid, and that's it. And uh, you know, burp the lid uh, towards the end of the incubation. With the Kims, the Kimberley rocks, they go 120 days, so figure like day 105 or 110. I'm opening the lid just slightly every day. Once a day, just to get some air in there. Um, yeah, because they they are a little bit sensitive. If it's too, if there's a lot of condensation in there with the Kimberley rocks, they want, they're going to die. Turgid, they're not going to hatch. So you got to got to keep them a little bit dry. Yeah, that that makes sense.
2: And um, I know also for the containers, you were talking about last time some something about an insert to like se- separate clutches. If put multiple clutches in there, if people are doing like leopard geckos, that lay two eggs at a time. Um right is yeah. that right
3: That's right it's a it's a divider so it's like a it's like a uh it's like uh uh it takes the shape of the sim container from the grid to the to the ceiling um and it pops in with pegs just like the rails do um and this way if you have a clutch hatching and the one or two babies are ready to come out but the other eggs aren't pipping yet put the divider in Put the babies on one side and put the eggs on, and keep the eggs on the other side safe from, from the baby so they won't turn it over. Um, but I don't have that product out yet. I'm still working on that. I might have it in the summertime. Yeah, that, that's perfect. That's actually the first thing I was
2: thinking about, because I rarely have issues where eggs are turned, especially if you, if you set them up in position and position them like, well, but on occasion mm-hmm. I have had issues where you know one animal well, where, where an egg hasn't pipped quite yet, the other ones have pipped and they're running around. And then they turn the yeah. egg, and then that egg has issues. Um, you know, the animal yeah. may drown in the egg, especially that late getting turned. So that would solve that same, problem. I same, mean, that's not probably off often, but yeah. it could happen.
3: Yep, it happens, and it happens to me. So I wind up, uh, you know, taking the babies that hatched and putting them in a the, in a different container, and uh, you know, wait for the other guys to hatch. Um, but I've left babies in with eggs before, and they just put their egg slime all over the all over the good eggs that are about to hatch. I mean, I haven't had a problem where they. Killed the eggs, but uh, you know, I I, I want to kind of keep everything uh, from getting disturbed. So take the babies that hash I put them in a different container. That's maybe why this divider would be a good idea.
2: Yeah, because it's less it opening and in closing in the container while they're hatching. It's just kind of right. divided, it and it's right. just less less messing with it. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what other modifications have you guys been thinking about? I
3: know at one point.
2: Um, there was talk of like a like a camera system. I don't know if that was in the incubator or in the container. Um,
3: yeah, I wanted. I wanted, what a, I wanted thinking about. I wanted a sim container incubator. Um, I'm not quite sure how how I would put it out yet. Um, uh, There's still a lot of talk about it, but um, you know, it, it would be another. Uh, you know, um, it, I, I have some ideas, but I, I'm not ready to like put it out there yet. But I would like to offer a desktop size incubator for sim container um that fits the XL and it fits the small ones. Uh something that you could really see into and uh it has lighting and whatnot so you can see your eggs. Um, but I'm not there yet, so keep keep trying, you know
2: <laughs> No, that's perfect. I mean you have to, obviously it all starts out with an idea and then I mean the sim container started out as an idea. And then, you know, it's expanded to where it is today, where it's the most popular incubation method, of, and it's the best one, in my opinion. So um, Thank you. So that's good.
3: Thank you. Yeah, yeah I, I, I agree. And I think that it's time for, you know, the sim container to have uh, uh, more accessories, you know, like the divider and an incubator with it. Because, uh, you know, people are buying the egg container, and then they're running off trying to find something to incubate it uh, or put it in to incubate. Uh, So offering an incubator would be a very, very smart idea. Maybe they can go, you know, one-stop shopping on my SimContainer website. Yeah. Another
2: question I saw I had about since you were talking about the containers and different accessories and stuff like that, the XL works, you know, really well. That's perfect. But for, you know, the few species that, you know, maybe lay many, many eggs and can't fit in one container, I mean, obviously someone could just buy multiple containers. But are you ever thinking about maybe getting a larger model? Is it really – not worth it because there's probably not that many individuals that would need a larger box. Well, what, do you, what do you think about that?
3: The Vertik and Berm guys, they, they, they ask me all the time, John, please make me yeah. a vertik size SIM container. And I'm like, guys, do you know how much money that is? <laughs> that is like uh, over $100,000 in loads costs <laughs> to make a, 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 a an egg box that big. Um, like the 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 Sim XL is uh, is uh, you know tens of thousands of dollars to open up that mold. It was insane. It's crazy. The cost of opening molds is insane. I, I just if anybody's thinking about opening a mold, a, a steel mold, not not like a vacuum mold, like a real steel mold product. It's uh, it's expensive, especially in the United States. Very expensive. I opened mine in China, but you know I knew the, I, I traveled to China a lot for my other job my real job which is footwear design so i know a lot of these um outsole factories and i asked them to um price out these containers that i designed and they did it for me as like a favor you know so i didn't pay as much but it was still a lot of money it was still you know tens of thousands uh, but compared to the united states those molds would have been you know 100,000 easy for the xl yeah,
2: in the meantime, they could just use a few. I mean, that's what I do. I just put them in, like, two or yeah. three instead of obviously using one.
3: So If, if anybody's yeah, I've interested is, out in there, no problem. if anybody wants, I, I can offer them. I have a lot of spare grids and rails, and they could, you know, they can make their own box. Like, they can line up a whole bunch of grids and rails together and, you know, just message me uh, uh, on Facebook or send an email through the website, and I'll tell you what I have. I got a lot of extras, so. If they can be of any use, uh, you know, it'd be great. You can make your own, you can lay out, you know, say like six grids and, you know, a whole bunch of rails in in a Sterilite, like a 28-quart Sterilite. That'd be pretty neat. Do that over like, um, I would do it over Perlite. Just, you know, put your Perlite down and, um, I don't know, make some PVC feet like the uh, like those uh, diffuser guys do with the diffuser grid. Yep, exactly, yep just to keep it off the substrate and just put a whole bunch of these little grids and it'll work just fine. So somebody wants to make their own, I'm, I'm willing to help.
2: That's great. That's great. And you, and you said uh, again, that if they did want to order them, that you have the site, but it's a little bit glitchy. So they, um, maybe contact you if they're having difficulty, right?
3: Yeah, they can contact me through, uh, through Instagram is probably the fastest and easiest. It's, uh, just go to Sim Container. It's uh hashtag simcontainer, they'll find me there. Um, DM me there and uh, I can walk you through it. Um or they can email through the um uh through the website which is SimContainer.com. Go there, uh and uh hit contact us and uh send a message if you're having any troubles. Awesome, awesome. all right, John,
2: to J D. Did you have any more questions for John? Well
1: i I want to thank John for coming on. We're about to lose live listeners, so okay. uh, but I want to thank you. <laughs> thank you for coming on, John.
3: Thank you so much. I had a great time. I liked I liked uh, this this call better than with Greg because Greg Greg was trying to you know bump me off the air. Yeah, you was.
2: <laughs> I'm just
3: kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'll
2: make sure to tell Greg that too. Yeah, Greg we'll just, was. Uh,
3: we'll Greg do a snippet.
2: Like... We'll do a snippet and we'll just play it all over the place. <laughs>
3: You know, Greg and I, we made, we did that call next to each other on the phone. We're, I was in his house and we keep elbowing each other because we're trying to get words out, and he's trying to tell a story. And I'm like, you know, hitting him with my elbow and we're pushing each other, so it was a little jumbled. And you know, we're trying not to lose control. But uh, I said I'm gonna do a show by myself, and I think that Greg Madden should do his own show and talk about venom, uh, venomous species, uh, another time. It'd be it's good times. It worked out perfectly. So. Yep, I agree.
2: All right, awesome, John. So, um, thanks so much for coming on. I'm looking forward to hearing about, you know, all the other projects you have and the sim containers, and and hopefully I'll be oh, visiting cool. soon. I'm going to be
3: up north later this month, so I'll be in contact okay. so I can visit you. All right, cool. If you ever want me back on, let me know. I, I like talking to you guys. Uh, it's a lot of fun.
2: Alrighty, awesome. Thanks so much.
3: Thanks, guys.
1: that was a great show, Josh.
2: Oh, yeah, it was great. John is uh, really knowledgeable, and he has a great product. So I was really excited to hear about it. And and I was excited that he spoke about different things with The Sims, too, about how, you know, the the plan to potentially get inserts, and then also about um, some, like, troubleshooting-type things for certain eggs and and the water crystals that he puts on the bottom. I mean, that's a really good tip. I'm actually going to try that one myself. Um, I mean, the water's working out perfectly fine for me, but if there's something that works out, even better, then I'm definitely not opposed to it. So I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the SIM containers. I use tons of them.
1: No, they're awesome. They're awesome, brother. And I say we end this. We end this show with um, "Back to Black" from ACDC. dc that, that that would be a perfect show song for John there. So we'll see everybody <laughs> next awesome. week. Take it easy, brother.
2: righty. thank you. Have a good one, brother. Bye bye.